This is the Mobile Tech Podcast, brought to you by worldpodcasts.com. Now here's your host, tech girl, Miriam Jouar. Hi, and welcome to the Mobile Tech Podcast. I'm your host, Miriam Jouar, and today is Tuesday, December 18th, 2008. Uh, I have a very special guest today, Igor Bonifacic. Igor is with Mobile Syrup. This is a Canadian podcast today, so... Those of you who are Canadians listening to the show should be happy. You know that I am a Canadian and, and Igor is Canadian. So we're having a Canadian show. Hi, Igor. Hi, Miriam. How are you? <laughs> I'm great. I'm such a dork. Uh, listen, uh, this is a special show. We're doing 2018 Phone of the Year together today. I can't wait. I mean, it's been quite a year. I know, right? Like, like I'm kind of like, oh my God, what is this? This is crazy. So let's get right into it. Uh, before there's going to be some news items at the end, folks. So stay stay tuned for that. But I think you're probably going to have to have to wait till about halfway for us to build up to number one. So let's start with what would be your number five out of let's let's do top five. Okay. Let's start with number five. Um, I think for me. And I know I sent you the list ahead of time, but I did that very terrible thing that all of us are guilty of, which is I changed my list last minute. Of course. And I decided for me, number five um, is the Samsung Galaxy S9. Um, And I think, you know, it's been a long year by every measure, whether it's politically, personally, environmentally, tech-wise. And a lot of us here in the industry have, a short memory, right? We're always onto the latest phone. And for a lot of us, that's either, you know, the Huawei P20 or excuse me, the Mate 20 or the Pixel 3 or the iPhone if we're on the iOS side of the fence. But it's easy to forget just how great of a phone the S9 is um, and, you know, or was and still is. And I think especially, I think for most people, like this is the phone if they bought and upgraded to a high-end phone uh, this year. I think this is the one they did. And it's it really makes sense as an upgrade this year, if only because by this point in the year, like you can get really great deals on the S9, right? Which is not true oh, yeah. of the, you know, the 10R, uh, which... <laughs> I think you, you can get one for less than, for about 500 US now, which means it's cheaper than a OnePlus 16. Yeah, Cheaper yeah. and with real money, not Canadian uh, maple syrup dollars, right? Um, yeah, mm, it's... maple syrup dollars. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's you know it's like a fantastic phone throughout. Like the display is amazing. The camera, you know, I believe Android Authority they had um, they've decided this year to split their kind of camera review into two or uh, their end of year camera decision into two different categories where there's the kind of best of the best in terms of like physical characteristics and then there's the computational one right and they split the choice between the s9 slash note 9 and the pixel 3 right which we know as a kind of computational photography master so um yeah there were phones for me that kind of like it's true to say like it was a tick year or sorry a talk year for um, uh, Samsung. And what I mean by that, you know, like Samsung, like Apple has these cycles in which they have the big innovations and then they have the refinements and Samsung, I think, you know, this was definitely a year in which they refined 
on the S8's design, but it still yeah. led to a really great phone. But all of that to say, like, there were more exciting phones for a variety of reasons. No, I, I agree. That's a, I think it's a very solid choice. So what's your number Definitely. five? Uh, it's a tough one, but I think I'm going to pick the iPhone XR. Mm-hmm. 10R. Yeah, 10R, <laughs> thank you. Uh, 10R, XR, no, no, you've, you made a good point. The branding, uh, proper branding is iPhone 10R. Um, mm-hmm. And I think the reason for that is a few reasons. Um, number one, it's more affordable than the XS and XS Max. Mm-hmm. And the XS, you know, the XS is just a last year's 10 with a better camera and a better chip. I'm better all around, but it's just, it's a familiar device. The uh, Max is a familiar device scaled up. And, you know, I can I totally understand why people would buy it. But um, I just don't, I just, first of all, I'm really vexed with the naming convention. I, mm-hmm. I just don't understand what Apple is smoking over there in Cupertino <laughs> down the street from me. But like, my God, like I'm in San Francisco, so that's why it's kind of down the street. But anyway, um, so the XR to me appeals to me because they've managed to, first of all, there's a bunch of things in there that are really good. The price, I think, obviously the most affordable iPhone, new iPhone you can buy that's like released this year, new iPhone. Um, it's, um, also, uh, got a, I think a better camera. <laughs> mm-hmm. Let me explain. I think that because it doesn't have the tele lens, so that could be a bad thing, but I think a lot of people, first of all, don't use the tele, even though the tele on this 10, 10s and 10s max are, is stabilized and is, you know, uh, pretty damn great. I feel that it's being used for portrait by Apple and portraits in low light. Um, using the XS and XS Max uh, software actually doesn't in, doesn't I don't feel gives you as good results as portraits in low lights with the X the XR the XR, mm-hmm. and I think the reason for that is because the you know using the main camera has a faster f stop and a better sensor, and even though the bokeh is faked uh, using AI, we know that can be done well since Pixel is doing it perfectly or well, not perfectly but close, mm-hmm. and so. Everything I've seen so far about the iPhone XR camera means that if I were Apple, I would really switch doing portrait with the main camera on the XS, XS Max to completely like, you know, remove that ambiguity. Uh, because I think the XR takes better portraits and that's what most people do with their phones today. Um, right? Then the other thing is battery life. It's got the mm-hmm. best battery life of any iPhone. And finally, it's also the cheapest. Uh, I said that already. But the final thing is the colors. Mm-hmm. The colors. Uh, there's a like a, a 0.5 item in the list, and the 0.5 item is that Apple is the first to have made a phone with an IPS panel, an LCD panel, that doesn't have uh, a bottom bezel, basically. Because mm-hmm. as you know, any Android phone with an IPS panel right now, uh, LCD panel, has some sort of weird tiny little bottom chin, which detracts it from being a, a pseudo full screen display. And even though the borders all over all around the iPhone XR are bigger than the borders on a lot of phones, it's aesthetically done right. I don't know what they did, but it looks proportional and it's fine. So all of this together makes me want to pick that phone because an iPhone has to be in the top five list. I'm not an iPhone fan, people know this, but I want to get credit where credit is due. The iPhone is definitely a go-to phone for me to recommend to so many people. Mm-hmm. Because so many people don't want an Android phone. 
and they're invested heavily in the iPhone ecosystem. They have iMessages and whatever else it is those crazy Apple people use. But I respect that, and I think they need a phone, and this is the phone I will wholeheartedly recommend. And if I had to buy an iPhone today for myself, that's the phone I would buy. Yeah, so spoiler warning, I picked the iPhone XR as my uh, the third favorite phone, or I guess, you know, in some ways I thought about it as the most significant phones of 2018. And I think, you know, for me, the iPhone XR represents kind of the best and worst of the Tim Cook era of Apple. <laughs> I kind of love it. Yes. Yeah, because, you know, it's so much of it is like, you know, it's been really tough to watch Apple since Steve Jobs uh, passed away, if only because, you know, Tim Cook is not a dreamer. He is a supply chain guy, right? And so many of the decisions that have come out of Tim Cook, the Tim Cook era are so, there's a kind of a cynicism to them, right? And it's just like capitalism for the sake of capitalism, right? In some ways, yeah, you're absolutely right. Right, like I think, you, you know, the iPhone X, uh, XS is $100 more than the iPhone X and Sure, it has, you know, the better chip and stuff, but for all intents and purposes, it is an iPhone 10 in like in everything but name, right? Absolutely. Um, but I think, you know, for the iPhone 10R, there's so many like interesting things, and you like kind of highlighted a lot of them. Um, the things I want to pull from is, you know, like going into the release of this phone, so many people were like, well, like, why would you ever buy this phone with its 720p display, right? And it, for me, it's interesting because it's like, you know, I would rather take an amazing 720p uh, panel from Apple than any other, like a 1080p or QHD panel from um, other Android manufacturers, if only because, you know, Apple has the color science and the color accuracy down to like almost an art form, right? Where absolutely, yeah. These like there are just there's no replacement for an uh, Apple panel in that sense. Like the colors are so true to life and so vibrant and rich. Um, and then there's just like the feel of the iPhone, right? Like that's something the Pixel. It's hard to explain. It's, the Pixel feels like junk comparatively, absolutely. And it is the best of the best in that respect, right? Like, <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, like. I remember when the um, when the Pixel, uh, Google did its event in uh, New York City for the launch of the Pixel, and I was briefed on it. They did. They spoke so much about the how much they put into the haptics, right? And it is yeah, still yeah. a pale shadow to the iPhone's haptics, right? Um, we'll Absolutely. Get, right. We'll get to some of the other Android phones, but like they just can't even the v40 which is you know considered like is widely considered the to have some haptics. of the best haptics yeah, on an yeah. android phone they're still i would say like trash tier compared to the iphone oh yeah right i agree no totally look i think for me the other thing that people are forgetting is you know is that with the iphone the iphone 10r is one of those you need to hold it and then mm. you get you get an epiphany it's like you touch it and you're like wow Mm -hmm. And you see the display and then you double wow. Mm -hmm. Because look, anyone that has the argument with me about the display being only 720p, I'm like, put my I literally put my hands on my ears and la la la. You're absolutely I don't even want to have this conversation. It's mm -hmm. a complete BS conversation to have. Yeah. My, for me, I, I mean, I can certainly speak for myself and say, you know, my eyes aren't good enough to care. Mm -hmm. Number one. Number two, 
you know, like it's like look at this look at this phone with your own eyes to judge. I I totally understand that some people have vision that is good enough that they can uh, you know, say that they can differentiate 1080p versus quad HD on a six inch panel. Um, but honestly, are you gonna be able to tell the difference between 720p and 1080p? I don't know. It's so close, you know? Yeah, I mean, and I think he- I can't remember who did this. Um, it was on the Washington Post. Um, I can't remember the author at this time, but they did uh, with, I believe it was it was either Ars Technica or Popular Science. They did this comparison of battery life, right? And the, the reason I want to tie this to the display is there are so many advantages that display has for the battery life and just the performance of, you know, like that A12 chip is, you know, like for whatever Qualcomm wants to say, I think they are still far behind Apple in terms of chip design, right? And um, that chip, when it only has to power that display is, you know, over the, like the Apple, or excuse me, the iPhone is among the smoothest, like even the 845, like it's a world of difference in terms of using an Apple phone and the best Android phone in terms of smoothness and animations, right? Um, That's still one category where, even though Android like manufacturers have caught up in so many ways to Apple smartphones, they still like, they just can't because of the nature of Android, right? It's because it's highly vertically integrated mm-hmm. is really what it is. It's like, I, I'm not, look, I'm sure I know that, I know that Apple has an edge on the, on the chip. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I also think a lot of it has to do with the high, again, the type integration mm-hmm. hardware and software here. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, you, we look, look, we're working, we're seeing this with Huawei as well. And we're going to be talking about Huawei more, but you know, Huawei has a highly tightly integrated software and hardware chain. Like mm-hmm. their phones are in-house chip, in-house, all, all, a lot of things are in-house, you know, and the software, it's it's flawed, it has issues, I can go on about it. It's mostly exper- user experience issues, but in terms of performance, it's there. Mm-hmm. And you see it, and I think that's the same kind of story, right? Um, I just want to point out, you know, that also when we say 720p, it's we're lying because it's 828 mm-hmm. pixels wide. So it's cl- it's much closer to 1080p than than it is uh, than than people give it credit for. So again, I, I that's I just don't want to have this argument, and clearly you don't either because you bought one. So <laughs> yeah, go. if there's just one last thing I can mention with the um, the iPhone, yeah. um, you know, um, what's its uh, DxO mark, and I know there's how they do things is very fraught, right? Um, They declared it the best single camera over the Pixel, right? So I think just, I just want to mention that to add to what you said is like, the camera is fantastic, right? And for so many people, their experience of their smartphone is the camera on it. Absolutely. Yeah, I think, I mean, I I think that's, uh, you know, I don't agree with their 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 take, and I and I think DxO Mark is is uh, very good at synthetic benchmark, mm-hmm. but not. I don't think they have really good subjective benchmarks. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I think they're changing a little bit over time. They're learning, but they're very objective, and objectivity is not what makes a good camera, mm-hmm. <laughs> in my opinion. And we can have this whole discussion with the the top. So let's switch to the next one. Yes. What's your number four? Um, for me, it's. This is going to be a strange one for people, um, if only because this phone kind of came to Canada first, and it's really hard to get in um, the U.S., and it's the G- LG G7 One. Um, if you follow Dan okay. Seifert uh, of The Verge on uh, yeah. Twitter, you know, you'll know that the G7 
G7 One, or excuse me, the G7 ThinQ, which is the G7 One, is a very strange sibling to the ThinQ. It's basically like a stripped-down version of the G7 ThinQ,、uh, but instead it built it has Android One,、uh, which is ah right, that's right, right. So it basically it has its flaws. Like it only comes with 32 gigabytes of、uh, storage, and there's no other SKUs basically,、um, but This phone for me was like, I'll I'll admit here and say I like really strange phones and kind of like when something <laughs> like if only you know the reason I say this is because when you just like a lot of our kind of job is reviewing the best of the best right and by the virtue of them trying to be the best there's kind of let's say like best practices that they adhere to and so. They don't take a lot of risks with these、uh, phones, right? Like this, were it's quite different, like what the smartphone industry was ten years ago when it was this wild kind of west, where you know you got yeah, yeah. amazing devices like the Droid, or otherwise known as the Milestone in Canada, where you know, <laughs> That's like right, I remember that, right? Like it, you know, it was that was a really fun time to follow this industry because manufacturers were willing to try different things because. The best or the best practices hadn't been established, and so the LG G seven one. LG is in this position where they're not a dominant player anymore, right? Like they certainly try to、no. throw their weight around, but they haven't been able to kind of cohesively deliver a strategy that's been able to deliver them returns, right? And so they're trying things, right? And so the G seven one was really interesting from that perspective for me. The other thing is, and to return to what I said with、uh, Seifert, you know, Seifert he says with the ThinQ, like what he loves about that phone, you have a headphone jack with a great DAC, you have a beautiful、Absolutely. screen, and then you have that weird wide-angle lens. So the G7 One drops the wide-angle lens as a cost-cutting、uh, measure, which I'm fine with, if、uh, because you know the wide-angle lenses on、uh, LG phones aren't the greatest. Um, and you know, for me, I would rather have one great camera than two mediocre cameras.、Yeah. And you get stock Android with it, right? Like the biggest、wow. pet peeve I have with LG phones is just their skin, like yeah. Huawei yeah. skins, are just like I don't know what they're trying to do with it, right? It's a mess. It's a mess, <laughs> right? And the weird、like、thing is,、yeah. the G7 One got Android or has Android Pie before the G7 ThinQ, right? Wow! Yeah, you know, so it was just this really weird phone, and it had all these features I loved, like that screen. Yes, it's an LCD panel, but it is, you know, it's QHD. It gets really bright, a thousand nits.、Um, it just looks really good.、Um, it's great for, and it supports HDR10, right? So it's really great for viewing media.、Uh, you have this DAC, which makes music amazing. You have this headphone jack. Oh my gosh, we're not gonna get started talking about. Headphone jack and whether no, we can't. We, can't. we have too many phones to go through. But I, I'm, you know how I feel. I can't deal without headphone jacks. It drives me nuts. Yeah. So, so it's a weird phone, but I loved the G7 one. No one else is going to put it on their list, so that's okay with me. I just want to represent that phone because I really liked <laughs> it. It was really odd, and I'm all,、uh, you know, I really love underdog stories. Yeah. So that's your number four. Yes. Cool. Well, my number four <laughs> is the Samsung Galaxy Note Nine、mm-hmm. because, well, it's everything but the kitchen sink. <laughs> 
And uh, it's coming down in price a little bit now. And, you know, I want to preface this, but saying maybe it's a bit of a tie with the S9 Plus, because honestly, pick either of those, pick your poison, your slightly bigger screen and a, and a stylus or no, you know, or no slightly bigger screen and a stylus. You basically get a bigger screen and a bigger battery mm-hmm. and a stylus if you pay a little more. So it's it's proportional. So you can get an S9 Plus and slump it in that category. I'm happy with that. Um, because you, maybe you don't need the stylus and you want a slightly smaller phone. But basically, they're the same. Cameras are the same. Everything is pretty much the same. And, you know, something has to be said about Samsung knowing how to make phones. It's beautifully made. It's got an incredible display and has great battery life, has a great, great camera. It's, it's, it's good all the way around, even if it's kind of a very safe and, and boring choice and kind of a boring phone. Um, That's basically it Yeah, for me on, on the Note 9. I don't really have much to say about it. Yeah, Other if than I, can I only, think it's solid, you know? Yeah, if I can only add, I think, you know what? I've never been a huge fan of Samsung phones. If only it, The reason is, um, you know, the skin has just, and I know when people- It's gotten better. It's gotten better. And I know people get like, they kind of, if you're like, if you're just a listener listening to this podcast or reading all the um, tech publications, you kind of just like your eyes glaze over when we talk about skins and you're like, it doesn't matter, <laughs> right? Um, <laughs> but I think when you use, you start to use a lot of these phones, um, especially kind of consecutively and side by side, you really do like, that is the one way in which they are meaningfully different from one another, right? And um, all of this to say, like, I'm really excited for next year because they're finally like doing a major refresh, right? With the Sam or the one UI. Um, we'll see how it turns out. Like I have both hopes and fears for it, but I think next year, I think you're going to see a lot of us, as you say, like Samsung has building the phone down to an art. I think if they can get the software side and they've get, been getting better and better, e- these phones, which are already like top of their class, are going to be even better. Yeah, I agree with that. That is, I think, a very solid yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, look, I, I think that uh, uh, I I understand why people buy Samsung phones. Like, it's just, you know, they're easy to find. They're everywhere. They're com- they come down in price pretty quickly, mm-hmm. you know, because carriers are subsidizing them and everything. It's it's a solid choice if you want an Android and you don't want to overthink it, right? And so, but it's also not, like, it's also not really not a bad thing at all. Like, it's, you know, other than being kind of boring, it's it's good. It's good. It's good. So that's kind of, you know, how I see it. Yeah. You're also waiting a long time for the next version of uh, Android, if you ever get it with a Samsung phone. <laughs> true that's it's gotten better again Mm -hmm. i think samsung's kind of i feel like they're they're kind of on top of it Mm -hmm. even though they've been very iterative i think that there's a lot of people not giving them credit for i think trying to take the feedback they they have a very highly delayed reaction to the feedback the media is giving them Mm -hmm. because we were telling them to not stop making crappy plastic phones forever (laughs) and it took it took at least three or four more generations until we got the galaxy s6 and then it was like, oh, finally, they 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 lied. They heard us loud and clear. We're we're done here, and they've they haven't made that mistake since. And then you know, software, I think, is they're starting finally to turn that corner as well. 
I think we're going to see some, as you said, we're going to see some stuff next year. I, I wouldn't be surprised. And also, I think they do have to finally be a little more than evolutionary next year to get people's attention, you know? Mm-hmm. So hopefully the designs will be interesting without being, without screwing anything up, you know? I mean, we'll we'll probably talk about it once we get to the news pieces. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so what's your number three? Uh, so as I said, uh, the iPhone XR is my number three. And Woo-hoo! just to reiterate, uh, like I said, it represents both the best and worst app of Apple. Um, and it was, you know, for a company that's been so iterative over the last couple of years, um, this is the closest we got to something a bit different from Apple, which is, you know, always a pleasure to see from the company. See, my only request is next year. I know this is not going to happen. At least one of the two things I'm going to request is not going to happen. Mm-hmm. But the other one I think is very realistically possible mm-hmm. is I hope that when they do an iPhone XR second gen or whatever they're going to call it, XR, let's see. What's the next letter of the alphabet there, right? Whatever it is. Um, depends on which direction you go, I guess. Well, I guess it's the um, iPhone 11, right? 11. Okay, great. Let's go with that. So next, the replacement for the 10R, mm-hmm. if they can make it two versions in size, 10R, mm. 10R mini, or 10R and 10R max, where the max is the current size, I think they need to bring us a phone that physically is the same form factor as the iPhone 5 uh, 5S and SE, mm-hmm. but has full screen in the front. Mm-hmm. We need that as the entry level iPhone. You know, I think. And it, here's yeah, go ahead. Here's my additional request. Here's my additional mm-hmm. request from Apple. Put a headphone jack on that one phone, <laughs> and then would then then that will be my phone of choice for Apple for next year. Because the reality is this, and 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 you know maybe put this year's a twelve Bionic chip in that phone next year, and then put a thirteen or whatever in the new phone. Because, look, everyone that I know that has an SE, including my spouse, or a 5 or a 5S, there's a few, very few people with a 5, but 5S or SE right now is jonesing so hard for all this awesome stuff, like Face ID, full, full on screen, you know, but they want a small phone that fits in their hand. You know, Miriam, like, I really hope Apple listens to this podcast and takes you know, no, they don't, but they don't, and they don't like me. And what they also don't like <laughs> feedback in general, I get this is the sense I get, um, you know, it's just, you know, like how long did it take for us to get an air successor? And then, you know, it wasn't even, it didn't even live up to what people were hoping beyond hope that it would be, Oh yeah, you know, and it, I think, don't even get me started on the Mac because I'm a Mac. Is that, if I'm, I mean, I'm not an Apple fan girl, but I'm a Mac fan girl and that, that uh, so much, so much to say there. I mean, we could talk about the touch bar MacBook pro probably for <sighs> several oh, episodes. We're cringing. So we won't. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Several, an entire show. In fact, like we could have an entire show on the headphone jack. Mm-hmm. If I could just add to what you said, you know, like what is interesting to me and what makes me like, fearful that they won't follow up the 10R is that, you know, the 5C was a one-off, right? The SE. But it was a bit of a flop sales-wise. I think I'm seeing a lot of iPhone 10Rs around, Mm -hmm. a lot. 
So I think it's not as bad of a flop as the C. Mm -hmm. But also, you know, the SC was a one-off too, right? And I, a lot of the right. supply chain reports that are coming out of Taiwan and China is that, you know, Apple continues to cut uh, production of not just the 10R, but, you know, the iPhone uh, 10S. We hear that every year. And then, mm -hmm. you know, they have their quarterly results come in later in the year, in the new year. And you're like, yeah, we were totally wrong. Yeah, totally. <laughs> so I don't know. I'm taking that one with a grain of salt. All I want, you know, Apple is give the small phone people a small phone. Because if anyone can pull it off, you can. Mm -hmm. That's all. That's all. Yeah. I think that's a reasonable yeah. wish. So now my number three, you had picked the G7 one as your number four, mm -hmm. correct? Yes. I'm picking the LG V40 as my number three. Tell me about this phone because we can't get it in Canada. <laughs> oh, well, take a G7. Mm -hmm. regular add a telephoto lens to that so three cameras in the back mm -hmm. a dual camera in the front and then replace the beautiful super bright quad hd ips with a even more beautiful but not as bright quad hd amoled mm -hmm. and that's the that's the v40 basically yeah, you know what I have to say for LG is like, give them credit because with the V, uh, kind of the V series, it's never been like, a, they've never been iterative with it. It's always been like, let's try something completely different with this phone. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, and I think, it, I just want to say that obviously if you can't get a V40, get a G7, mm -hmm. which kind of brings us on the same, you know, almost on the same uh same level here because you picked the G7 one mm -hmm. as your four. I think the G7 is a good back a, a choice if, especially right now, it's available pretty affo uh, pretty affordable. If you can if you live without the wide angle, which actually sorry, not the wide angle, without the tele, which I think is the again not super important uh, because the wide angle I think is more important, more interesting. I would you know you get the same quad DAC, you get you know just they're great both both are great phones, but the V40, you know. If you want a phone that has a really good camera, like it's again, like last year, like the, the two phones from LG, and this, we had the same conversation on the podcast a year ago, and it's the, they're underrated as, as F. Like they're, these phones are so much better than you think they are when you start using them. Mm -hmm. And so few people give them the love they deserve. I also think it's because LG keeps shooting themselves in the foot and releasing their phones just before everyone else mm -hmm. or at a time of the year where nobody's paying attention. Like at the beginning of phone apocalypse Techtober is when the V40 came out. What do you think our collective journalistic attention span was on that phone? We all spent a week with it. That's it. Because after that, we got the Pixel, and then we got the Mate 20 Pro, and then we got, you know, the Razer phone, and then we got whatever it was. I, I mean, the point is that we just didn't have time to focus on that phone. Also, we knew it was just going to be like some parts been special in a, in, in a way, and I don't say that in a bad way because it's actually very nicely well done parts been special. Mm -hmm. And, and you know, it was going to be a, a carrier special, an operator parts been special in the sense that, you know, of course they were going to carry it, but it's going to be in the corner in the back of the room, you know, under a pile of uh, cases, and you'll never buy it because you, you don't even know it exists and the salespeople don't tell you about it, right? Yeah, and I so, think if you love wah, music, wah, wah. like there is no better phone for you, right? It, Absolutely. And either of those two. Yeah. yeah, and there's I think there's something to be said about like you know, thank goodness there's at least one company. I know there's rumors that next year Samsung is gonna take out the headphone jack from the S10, and, <laughs> and you know like 
why like what you, you know i get it apple needs to say, sell airpods um with iphone sales declining it's all about accessory sales but like really like it doesn't take courage to take that uh to headphone jack out it really doesn't help like there's so many consumers who have so much invested in wonderful headphones just let them use it i i know i was say we could have a whole show about it i i do feel though that if you are, um, you know, if you audio matters to you, especially over headphones, even even forgetting the fact that the headphone jack is built in, mm-hmm. the the hardware that drives that headphone jack is so much more much better, more superior than anything else, including many dedicated headphone amp and DACs out there that you could buy for up to a thousand dollars separately. Mm-hmm that this phone alone is totally worth it. If you listen to music like I do with wired headphones and, and you're a connoisseur, you're an audiophile, there's, of all the f- five phones I'm going to recommend, there's only one phone to look at, and that's the LG V40 or G7. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think LG also deserves credit for how much they've just improved their screen manufacturing. You know, obviously last year, oh, yeah, so much was, was made <laughs> of, you know, the Pixels display, um, and they like within a year they've really turned things around where i think in terms of technology they are on par with samsung right and samsung i agree samsung is when it comes to smartphone size oled panels there's no one better right so no they're the they're the winners yeah. yeah and so i think like LG deserves a lot of credit for that. Again, I mean LG now supplies Apple gets displays from both Samsung and LG for the the 10s and 10s mm-hmm. Max. So keep that in mind in the back of your head, okay? You know that Apple would be the pickiest absolutely to get a parity on the quality of these two displays so that you wouldn't be able to tell them apart. Mm-hmm. And so they've obviously had to uh to to live up to that. And I think we're seeing that the V40 honestly has a display that I cannot fault for anything. It's great. Mm-hmm. And I mean same with, you know, the G7. I spoke to it with the G7 one, but that is really like uh, you using that phone. It is like I don't usually watch YouTube videos or Netflix on a smartphone because I would rather you know watch it on my TV or my laptop. But using that display, like that is a better than s- display than you have to spend quite a bit of money on a really great TV to get like something that's HDR10 has that kind of resolution. Yes, it's on a smaller device, but the quality of the G7. Think use display is exceptional. I mean, it's the best IPS panel, I think, short of maybe the iPhone XR. Yeah. Right? So you have something to be said. And it's the brightest, absolutely, of any display I've seen this year. And for some people, that really matters. I think if you're outdoors, you can set that ultra-bright mode for a few minutes uh, because it does turn off by itself after a while. Is is pretty awesome. Um, so yeah, V40 is my take. It's an all-rounded, great phone. Uh, read good performance. The only drawbacks are the same usual LG drawbacks. Software is a bit of a pain. Uh, battery life meh, could be better. And of course, updates. Um, that's going to be a rough one. So mm-hmm. <laughs> that's why you buy the G7 One. So you get Android One. Mm-hmm. Does it have the quad deck? It does. Yeah, that's the best part <gasps> of the phone. That's why I really oh fell in God. love with it uh, with my review. Yeah. The only thing about totally. the G7 One is like, just the pricing did not make sense in Canada where it was more expensive than the uh, OnePlus 6. Wow. Well, listen, I'm going to put you a link to your review in the show notes. Oh, G7. Thank you so much. I'll just, I've just added it in my little notes here. Okay, great. So that brings us wow, to number two. Where do you want to go with that? Drum roll, please. Yeah. Uh, the my second favorite phone of 2018 was the Pixel 3. 
which, you know, you're probably like scratching your head. What was his number one? We'll, we'll just have to wait. Well, well, okay, wait, wait. Mm-hmm. Let's drop it here. My favorite of number two of the year is Pixel 3. Whoa. Whoa, we agree. I would also throw the 3XL in there, mm-hmm. but I'll, I'll, I'll explain why 3 in a second. I mean, let's... Let's be honest here. Baby Pixel is love, right? Do we agree on Baby Pixel is the one to get. Yes. Yes. Uh, Absolutely. You know, like, I think like a lot of people, I was, I want to just, you know, kind of tell my personal experience of the Pixel because I think it really informs what I think of it. You know, like like a lot of people, I saw the, all the leaks going into uh, the launch of the Pixel 3. And I think it's safe to say that, you know, bar some uh, iPhone model a couple years ago, like there has been no phone that's been leaked more than the Pixel 3. And that kind of created this, (laughs) you know, like, I'm like, ah, like this phone just doesn't look like, like Google needs to bring the heat. And when I just saw the leaks, I was like, this phone is not doing anything for me. And it goes back to what you were saying and what I think is really important and what really gets lost in the kind of discourse that we have about these phones, especially the stuff that comes from the quote unquote spec heads is like the specs and kind of hardware only tell at most half the story, right? Like you really need to use this phone to understand what it's trying to do and understand what it's doing so well. And, you know, so my review uh, of the Pixel 3, um, I I titled it All the Small Things. And really that encompasses what I love so much about the Pixel is that it is not about like the, you know, hardware. It is about the moment-to-moment usage. And no phone this year like really scratched that itch for me where it was just like every like feature, especially from the software side, was so like really well thought out and it was just such a joy to use like this phone even you know even if you don't like you know some of the things like the gesture navigation in uh android pie there's so much to love and like one of the big things for me was just the haptics it was like such it finally it was nice to finally get an android phone that felt good to use right like and then the camera it was so well considered and i think there's something to be said about less is more, right? Like instead of yeah. overloading the features, Google really zeroed in on features that made sense. So one example that I love is obviously Night Sight. Yeah, it is incredible. incredible. <laughs> Absolutely. Oh, wow, we said it at the same time. Now I know how to sync the podcast. <laughs> we said incredible at exactly the same time. So, there we go. <laughs> um, but yeah, look, I agree. I mean, it's, it's, um, it's impressive. It's, Re- absolutely remarkable uh what they've done with the camera this year i want to say that even though the pixel 3 is my number two and the 3xl as a backup is my number two choice um mm-hmm. it is my favorite camera phone of it probably is my camera phone of the year and i think for the because i have to be mindful of the fact that the majority of the people out there just mash the shutter button they don't they don't mm-hmm. they don't want to necessarily be very creative with their photography yeah. Um, so as such, I feel that the Pixel 3 and 3XL cameras are the best. Um, but the reason I picked the 3 is for many of the reasons you did. Like sm- size, the fact that it doesn't have a, a, a this is grotesque notch on the, f- the front. Um, oh, man. Right? And, and, yeah. and, 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 and 
et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But I have the three XL still in there because I, I have to be, I can't be, you know, I can't be a hypocrite. It's my daily driver uh, because mm-hmm. I need more screen real estate than the Pixel 3, but, I, and I'm cringing at the, at the notch every day, but that's because I still need more screen real estate and more battery life. Mm-hmm. So there you go. But, but the re, the reality is if you want the better of the two phone, the three is the one. I, I absolutely hundred percent believe that. Mm-hmm. So what's your number one? This I'm very curious. Well, you got to start. Remember, because okay, you're you're okay. you're starting the the number one versus number, yeah. You start. Uh, so for me, the I think the most significant phone, and let me just preface this is like I think context is really important here. It is the most improved like successor to its previous phone, and that is the One Plus Six, and six. obviously the Six T. Oh, and the Six T. Okay. Together. Yeah. Um. For me, you know. I think uh, the 6T is kind of a more significant phone in the sense that, you know, we have in the US anyway, they got, you know, the T-Mobile, T-Mobile partnership yeah, yeah. and then the Band 13 support. So it works with Verizon. Uh, for me, I actually like this uh, 6 a bit more. Me if too. Only because, yeah. because headphone jack. Yeah, because headphone um, jack, and- notification light, and I do still prefer the rear fingerprint reader because it's just faster. It's faster, works better. And, you know, it's weird. Like, OnePlus has been doing these 1080p panels forever. And I never thought it was really a hindrance for the phone until it got to the size of the 6T. And I'm like, now it's starting to look not so sharp. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, right. I think think the 6, yeah, and so the 6T is even bigger. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and I think a lot of, you know, like a lot of what, uh, with the 6 is just like and the 6T is it so much better than the 5 and the 5T the design is compared to the 5 especially is like incredible they finally like figured out what they wanted to do with the camera instead of doing all these gimmicks they're like okay you know what really makes sense optical image stabilization yeah let's bring we that back you know yeah, kind of like uh, Google did with the Pixel 2 and Pixel 2 XL let's bring back the stuff that we know really works because also we've been told it, that it's missing and why? what were we thinking question mark <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah and then you know one, there were a lot of kind of like tertiary announcements around the launch of the 6 and the 6T so for instance you know OnePlus now <laughs> strangely from the it's like such a long they've come such a long way since the one plus two which not oh even one plus wants to that talk was about a the terrible OnePlus. phone i mean of their all their phones you know i wrote this actually I, sh- I should bring it up i wrote this on my one plus 60 review which i will link in mm-hmm. the show notes by the way i'll link your pixel 3 review as well because i th- mm-hmm. i think that's really going to be an interesting one to read uh this is what i wrote in my intro i, I want to quote it i'm going to quote myself it's terrible like seriously miriam <laughs> Um, it's hard to believe OnePlus is almost five years old. The OnePlus One made a great first impression back in 2014, but arguably it wasn't until last spring's OnePlus 6 that the company achieved its goal of making a true quote-unquote flagship killer. It's been a bumpy road, though. The OnePlus 2 was a miss, and the 5 and 5T cameras didn't live up to the hype. Until the OnePlus 6, only the OnePlus 3 and 3T came close to hitting the mark. This is how I feel about the history of OnePlus. That is, I mean, rightfully so that you decided to quote yourself because that is a great intro. That's basically it. Like, I mean, I think that that categorizes them. The OnePlus One, wow, we were impressed. The two, wah, wah, wah. Like, I cannot believe that the lack of NFC was not something that, like, triggered every red flag. 
for <laughs> the kind of market they were going after. And their reaction, mm -hmm. their surprise at how pissed we were all. I was with, this was the launch event was here in San Francisco. This was before Eric worked there and mm -hmm. um, with the old PR team. And and Andrew Martonic from Android Central came, flew down from Seattle. And we were like, we both discovered around the same time, like we all, everybody there assumed they had NFC. And we mm -hmm. both went into the settings and at the same time looked at each other and were like, wait, this doesn't have NFC? And then we like, no. And then we asked and they said no. And then we like, I think we screamed it off the top of our lungs and the whole, you know, everybody was doing hands-ons and nobody was doing video at the time yet. And like, guys, everyone, this doesn't have NFC. And the room <laughs> fell silent. Everybody is looking. No, no way. You got to be kidding. No way. And then the, the reaction on OnePlus call was there in the room with us. Mm -hmm. And he was like, what the fuck just happened? Right. And <laughs> then, and then he's like looking like we, we, we corner him. We're like, Carl, what, what were you thinking? Are, are you crazy? Mm -hmm. Why is there no NFC? And he starts like making excuses. Well, you know, we did a bit of a kind of case study, you know, like uh, customer mm -hmm. survey thing and they didn't seem to use the NFC. So we removed it. Saves money. We're like, dude, mm -hmm. it saves 20 cents. Like, are you nuts? <laughs> yeah, you know, like with OnePlus, it's the kind of cost cutting at times it gets a bit egregious. Yeah, know? but I felt like the 3 and 3T had hit a good stride. Mm -hmm. And the 3T in particular really like was a solid update to the 3. Uh, it mm -hmm. really was what the 3 should have been, which is really interesting. Whereas mm -hmm. with the 5 and 5T, we really went to a TikTok cycle. With I think the 3T was kind of like, oh, oh crap. There's a few things we can improve and let's do that now. And we, we do it. And then we release it. And then this is the phone you should have bought all along that year. But then the 5 and 5T were really quite like a TikTok kind of thing. And then the 6 and 6T also TikTok kind of thing. But I feel that if I have to pick one OnePlus so far, that is to me the OnePlus to get. It's the 6. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know, like it's... I can't stress enough just how much of a step above the five and the five T. Oh, it's it is. insane! Just like just put them side to side, side by side. Like the like the Silk White um, is full disclosure my favorite yeah, OnePlus variant my ever. Favorite. Yeah, it's just like the design and the the gold highlights and, and everything. Yeah, yeah, and just so it good. feels like. It feels as good as any Samsung phone to me, and in some ways even better, right? Like the company has really hit a stride. The software, like, uh, you know, what I was talking to earlier was, you know, we live in a crazy world where OnePlus next to Google has the best update policy of any Android OEM, right? Yeah. <laughs> like that's, you, you could, like, could you have imagined that back in the OnePlus 2 days, no. right? Like, <laughs> right? So... Uh, the company really deserves a lot of credit for how much it's evolved in those five years, right? Like it's crazy to think on what a like compressed timeline this company has really grown to maturity. Like even just looking at how they used to market themselves, right? Like there were so many questionable and, you know, downright offensive ways in which they marketed their company. And now there's just this kind of maturity with almost every aspect of, um, their phones that's not to say they're perfect you know like uh, i've been riling against uh haptics and like quite legitimately the one plus six and 60 have some of the worst haptics of any android phone yep on the market um but there's so much to love about these phones and i i always go back to the six and there's just like 
how fast it is, how good it feels. If for me kind of hits all the right compromises, right? Like, does it have some of the bells and whistles of the Samsung phones? No, but like there's everything it should have, it has, and it does really well. Yeah, I absolutely agree. Like I will tell you now what my number one choice is. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to totally cop out because I'm going to say it's a tie. Okay. I know, I know. I really thought of this for a long time. It's really tough for me to choose. I have to look at a whole bunch of factors. I have to look at, you know, not just the phones, the specs, the hardware, the software, the camera, the music, the everything. But I also have to look at the market, the future, the penetration on in the market, the the impact in the industry. And Mm-hmm. To me, two phones really stand out, absolutely, completely stand out this year above everything else in a major, major way. And that is the OnePlus 6T mm-hmm. and the Mate 20 Pro. Mm-hmm. So if I may ask, so like the Mate 20 and you know P20 Pro by extension are really interesting. Um, you know, it's been really interesting seeing so many American publications really speak to these phones when they're really hard to get in the US and the support is not great, right? So can you kind of take me through your reasoning? Well, because you can still buy it on Amazon, you can buy it from reputable importers and you might not get a warranty, but it is such a solid phone in so many ways that it's hard to dismiss. I think if you look purely at a technological point of view, at the hardware alone, it is the most advanced phone in the universe by a long shot, the 20 Mm -hmm. Pro. It is so significantly more advanced than everything else by so much that it really shows you what a phone will be on average next summer. And that is, you know, seven, eight months early, right? So to me, that is what matters here. Um, And uh, then there's other, then there's issues with it. It's not available officially in the US. It is the software is super fast and streamlined and optimized because it's super awesome vertical integration that Huawei achieves that I talked about earlier, but it's still terrible. It's still uh, very, <laughs> it's it's definitely improving and, and I can tell they're working on it and I tell that they're listening to us and trying to, to heed our Western world kind of markets, kind of, you know, uh, Europe, North America kind of, and, and probably India and other parts of the world vibe that we want kind of more pure Android. And they're kind of working on that and it's getting there, but you know, you, you're going to need to put Nova Launcher on this thing like ASAP. And First app you download. Pretty much. And then Gboard mm-hmm. and that's how I'm running it. And it's great. Honestly, with those two, I'm happy as pie. I have no issues with this phone. Uh, it's been getting a lot of updates. So I'm very surprised and impressed with that. Uh, at least one a month, which is like, wow. And that comes with the security updates bundled in, which is really nice. So I think Huawei is mm-hmm. definitely on top of their update game now. Um, but then the cameras are the most creative cameras you can buy on anything. Like, sure, the Pixel 3 XL still exceeds and beats it in some ways, but the Pro can can lower the Pixel 3 in so many ways as well. So if you're more creative like I am and you're a bit of a photographer and a geek and a camera nerd and you want multiple lenses in one device, you can't go wrong with the Mate 20 Pro and by extension, the P20 Pro. But the P20 Pro has an older processor and has, has some issues with this chin and fingerprint reader in the front. I think Mm -hmm. in terms of fit and finish materials and build quality, the Mate 20 Pro is such a significant leap forward over the P20 Pro that 
you you can kind of pretty much retire the P20 Pro and not even have it in this discussion. And that's quite why I picked the Mate 20 Pro. Now, the OnePlus 6T is a tie because this is the phone we're going to look back upon a few years from now and say this was the turning point for OnePlus to become a major brand, a major mm-hmm. brand in the world. We're going to look back and say, yeah, the 6T was that phone. The 6T was the phone where they introduced a teardrop notch and a fing- and an in-display fingerprint reader that are both kind of gimmicks, but they did that in the US market. That's ballsy. And they did it with T-Mobile in tow. That's even more ballsy. And T-Mobile went with it and they didn't compromise the phone too much in getting in bed with an operator. And they made it compatible with probably the most important operator to have in the US if you want to penetrate the market. And that's Verizon. Wow. Wow to all of that. That is an achievement. There's a lot of issues with the OnePlus 60 in my review on, on Geekspin. I mentioned them. Uh, I think the only reason to pick it over the OnePlus 6 is three things. Battery life, it's got a bigger battery. Mm-hmm. The T-Mobile thing, if you want to get it through T-Mobile and pay less money and get like all the carrier support and all that good stuff. And if you want Verizon support. That's the only three reasons to buy OnePlus 60 over OnePlus 6. I do think the 6 is a better better phone. But you cannot, you cannot, absolutely not underestimate the amount of insane, like insanely importantness. This is terrible English. How importantly insane the OnePlus 6T is to the market right now. And, mm-hmm. and not just the US. I think that it's also a super bestseller for them in India, et cetera, et cetera. So that's kind of why I had to put it in there. You know, yeah, originally- in an inter- Yeah, sorry, go ahead. Originally, I didn't have the LGs in there. I dropped them out of my list. And I had mm-hmm. the, the Pixel 3 as number three and the OnePlus 6T as number two. Or I could not decide between that and the Mate 20 Pro as number one and two. But I decided to tie them because the LG needs some love. And, you know, if you look at what's the most important phone of the year, I really think that those two phones are equally as important. And I think also because they reflect the zeitgeist, the politics with the U.S. Mm-hmm. regime today. They they reflect yep. so much because they, they are both the opposite, right? In a way, May 20 Pro is the forbidden fruit that Huawei is not allowed in the US, yet at the same time, OnePlus is in the US and it's Chinese company. Like, can you see the paradox mm-hmm. here? You know, yeah, there you go. That's why I did it. Yeah, just to add to your point, I believe, uh, so in an interview with Sasha Sagan, uh, I think Pete Loud, the CEO of OnePlus said that in the first month, sales of the 60 are like up by 239% compared to the and this is sales in the U.S. compared to um, the OnePlus 6. So, you know, like props to OnePlus. You know, obviously that was probably a really difficult uh, negotiation they had with uh, the with uh, T-Mobile, excuse me. But they like stuck, they somehow managed to get this partnership and really not dilute what their brand is about, which is, you know, as Pete Lau says, the, you know, unburdened Android experience that is... Uh, a OnePlus phone. Um, you know, it's still interesting to me that so many, like I said, so many American publications picked the um, the May 20 because I think like the kind of value, like, I mean, it's, it's like the question of why people, people always ask, like, why do we continue to suggest iPhones over Android phones when Android phones have really caught up and surpassed the iPhone in so many respects? And I think like the value of just that support that Apple can offer you that no one else 
is really important at, in that equation. And the you know the Huawei, uh, the fact that like you're really on your own <laughs> if you get this phone I and if it breaks. Yeah, I understand yeah. your point of view. I think it's innovation. This is the really mm-hmm. the most innovative phone on the market today. I mean, the the, the Note Nine is. It tech, it's probably the only phone that can compete spec sheet wise, you know, with the Mate 20 yeah. Pro, but it's it's still not even remotely as good. Like it, it's kind of amazing, I think, what they've done. Like if you see how thin that phone is for a 4200 mm-hmm. milliamp hour battery, how much it packs, they did not compromise anything almost on that mm-hmm. phone. Like there's a I few mean, it could thi- even wirelessly charge other phones. Yeah, I mean yeah. that's such a gimmick, but it's it is such it's, a gimmick. But talk about marketing cool, right? I think yeah. that I think that it's like, certainly there's I can nitpick, and there's a lot of things I can find with the Mate 20 Pro that are annoying. But man, like so much stuff in there, and 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 it's it's so well executed too. Like it's just rock solid. Like, and that's kind of why. It's it's a very aspirational phone. If the OnePlus 6T is the phone you're going to buy for the year because you walk into the T-Mobile store in the US here, but the phone you're aspiring to buy is a Mate 20 Pro, that to me represents where we're going with the industry right, right now. That's it. Right. That's and why it, they're it, both number one. Yeah, and if I could just add, like I think you know what you said about the zeitgeist is so interesting and so true. Like, it also represents the zeitgeist here in Canada, right? Like where Canada is one of the only countries that hasn't of the Five Eyes Alliance. It hasn't banned Huawei. You can buy a Huawei phone in at any Canadian carrier. Um, and yet there's also that aspect of, you know, like here's Samsung and Huawei at kind of turning points, right? Like where Samsung has more or less stalled in terms of its smartphone sales, right? And yeah. I think you know, in terms of their innovation. Uh, exactly. They were the giant. And now, you know, like, it's so emblematic of what's happening kind of in Asia where these Korean OEMs, they can't compete with the Chinese OEMs, whether it's in nope. smartphones, TVs, whatever it is, right? Like, all of that is going to, like, all of the innovation and is happening in China. Absolutely. That's totally what you, you nailed it. And, you know, and I just want to add, you know, I think that the other thing that that people are not seeing or maybe is not really obvious to them yet is that, you know, when you look at, at, at Huawei, they're wiping the floor in terms of sales in Europe. Like, it's insane mm. how many phones they're selling in Europe. Now, they're sometimes being a little anti-competitive because they're dumping. Like, they're literally selling phones at prices that you're like, you're scratching your head. I bought mm-hmm. a Huawei phone for my for my mom this year when I was visiting her in France because I, I was born and raised and grew up in France. Then I moved to Canada. And mm-hmm. uh, and she still lives there in the south of France. And, uh, you know, uh, I couldn't find a better deal. Like, it was, it was such a great deal. I just bought her the phone. And, you know, and it's like, okay, like, wow, you know. Um, I'm trying to remember which one it was. Um, I think it was an honor. Well, Huawei technically, mm-hmm. I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, and and uh, I think it was the Honor 9 Lite that I got for her. And it was an amazing phone for like less than $200 US, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a review in it at the time, so I, I could actually speak for it. <laughs> I was like, this is great. You should use this phone. So, yeah. Um, I want to move on really quickly to the news very briefly because we don't have a lot of time. So Let's um, do it up. Let's do it really quickly. You're, you cover news, so you know all about this. A um, few quick things. Uh, I will also link, by the way, to McLaren 
OnePlus 60 um, uh, unboxing or whatever, or hands-on, whatever you want to call <laughs> it. Uh, because, well, it's pretty photos. Um, and if you haven't watched it yet, go to the show notes and watch my OnePlus 6, uh, McLaren OnePlus 60 unboxing. I did a whole video on that. All right. So uh, last week, we briefly talked with Carolina about the 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 whole punch or punch hole whatever you want to call it infinity o infinity o stuff for the galaxy 8 a8s and for the you know upcoming huawei sorry honor view 20 and now we find out of course because honor and huawei are uh, kind of like twins we find out that there's a nova 4 which we've been expecting that also has the hole punch display and and i think it's cool i'm actually welcoming the hole punch over the notch what about you uh, you know like i'm so indifferent to these like i think are you jaded now no you know so what i think the uh the notch uh represents at this uh, point in time is you know like i think screen uh, to body ratio is what thinness was to the industry a couple of years ago where everyone is trying to get you know that 99 percent screen to body ratio phone mm-hmm. and the notch and the infinity o or punch out uh holes they're just a means to an end um i really like you know for me what's really more important is like is the display accurate is it sharp yeah um what's battery life like these are all more meaningful kind of aspects of a smartphone than like what is the like notch look like does it have a hole in the display no i hear you but i think it's kind of fun when you see the manufacturer experiment with different approaches to get to that full screen Mm -hmm. experience without having moving parts which is also cool in its own right i think that the vivo next with the uh, pop-up camera and the oppo find x with the entire back electrically sliding up and and there's the magic 2 from honor that also has a mechanical version of that and the mi mix 3 uh, that also has a mechanical slider uh, to, to hide the front-facing camera. All these are interesting solutions that are ultimately going to be temporary until we can get a full-screen experience. But what I think is interesting to me technologically about the whole, the punch hole, hole punch, whatever it's called, mm-hmm. is that the next step is what's interesting. And the next step is a, a high-sensitivity, uh, high uh, large-pixel sensor combined with a fast f-stop lens mm-hmm. built right behind that oled display where there is no hole until the display goes black and then you yes. see the camera and the camera takes the photo literally through the display not just through the glass of the display mm-hmm. and that so this is kind of bringing us to this point in time which will be in six months to a year for the next generation of full screen displays but i find it ironic looking at this nova 4 which is kind of juicy and delicious looking and has 48 megapixel total overkill rear camera can we um, talk about that 48 yeah let's, megapixel? let's 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 touch that on a second but i think what i'm getting to is that you look at it the nova 4 and then you see that that hole and you go but look there's a chin still right <laughs> like it's like yeah. hello like I understand you have to fold the display over because of the display driver issue but when can we get an android phone that really does not have a chin at all of any yeah, kind. You know, if, so if I can bring it back to OnePlus for a second, I feel like they're the only ones who kind of get this and are close to getting this. They're very like, close. Very close, right? And so, yeah, it's it's like why? It just makes no sense. They keep, like Samsung to its credit, 
has kind of navigated this whole dilemma as best as they can. But now obviously they're, you know, I think a part of it is just that they've like invested so much into these quote unquote infinity o displays that they're like, well, we have to like put it on our phones so that we can sell it to our OEM partners. Right. And, uh, you know, yeah. everyone who buys from Samsung display. Yeah, it's interesting. So the 48 megapixels, the understanding I get is that the ISPs can, there's multiple ISPs in the new uh, Kirin chip sh- ships. And mm-hmm. obviously since multiple cameras on their 970, 980 uh, products, like the Mate 20 Pro and P20 Pro. So I'm wondering um, if they're combining two ISPs to capture the output of a 48 megapixel sensor and doing some crazy, like what they're doing with the 40 megapixel sensor on the Mate 20 and the P20, you know, like getting um, on the pro versions of these phones, getting kind of like this, uh, oversampling and noise reduction and low light improvements because of uh, of the number of pixels. They're binning them basically in, in hardware and software. That's kind of what I'm guessing they're doing. Yeah, you know, it's just, I've never seen like a pixel binning approach that has really actually delivered on better low light performance. I think the Mate 20 Pro comes close and so the P20 Pro as yeah. well. Yeah, I just, you know, like, are you like going to print photos from your smartphone that you really need 48 megapixels, right? Probably like not. it seems. No, but you know, remember, seems, that's the thing. Like that's mm-hmm. not the output of the camera. I remember the, the 40 mm-hmm. megapixel mode on the Mate 20 Pro and the P20 Pro. By default, it's it's outputting 10 megapixels because it's right, binning four right. by four, right? Like, uh, mm-hmm. Sorry, two by two, four, four pixels at a time. So you, you're getting, we're going down from 40 megapixels down to 10. And that's mm. very reasonable to me. So here's yes. what I'm seeing is happening here is they're going 48 megapixel and binning two by two to four pixel arrays. And then they're going to output a 12 megapixel photo. Mm-hmm. I think that's reasonable. Yeah. Okay. So I didn't, I, you know, when I first read about this, I just read 48 megapixels, which, you know. But I'm assuming like it could be, I could yeah. be completely wrong because these are not high-end flagships. They could just be like, let's throw 48 megapixels at there and just hope for the best. <laughs> it, you know, it's like 2002 again, right? <laughs> yeah, it's kind of crazy. Um, there's an article on Android Authority about the most underrated phones of 2018. I don't want to go through it in great detail, unfortunately, because we're lacking time. But let's quickly go through that and say, okay, so they have the BlackBerry Key 2. They have the LG G7 ThinQ. Well, guess what? We just talked about that. Most underrated phone with the V40, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. The Moto One Power, which I'm still waiting for a review unit. Have you played with that one? I haven't, no, because it's not coming to Canada, right? So yeah. it's... Uh, yeah <laughs> we it didn't come to the us and then it's now coming to the us and i still don't have a review in it i don't know what's going on did you play with the key two at all i did i you know i understand there's people who love um keyboard physical keyboards i could like i just absolutely hated the physical keyboard on this one uh maybe it's just because i'm a jaded millennial um <laughs> but um you know what? Like it's that the problem with that phone is just it's overpriced, right? For what it is, with I agree. It's Snapdragon, yeah, it's yeah. a six sixty, right? You can buy one plus six for that kind of money, <laughs> and it's a much better phone. Absolutely, right? yeah. But I mean, look, if you love a hardware keyboard, there's it's a really good phone. I just wish it could be better, and that's exactly what my review said. Uh, did you play with uh, any of those? Uh, okay, the Moto Z three is an interesting choice in there because that's very US centric. I don't know if you mm-hmm. guys get it up there, but for us, it's a Verizon only phone. With a Snapdragon 835, 
It's interesting how they did that. It's really, a, yeah. yeah, it's like a Moto Z 2.1 is what they said, or 2.5. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so they did the same with the G7 One. It has an 835 instead of an 845. And it really, you really notice the difference, oh, right? Do you? Like, I mean, it is, I think it's, you know, the fact that it's like a less efficient chip is yeah, right. quite noticeable, I think. In terms of battery then, life, yeah. Yeah, in terms of battery life. And then it's just like, I don't know like how Qualcomm does it, but it really does feel like each subsequent like uh, top tier or flagship Snapdragon processor is quite a step above the previous one. And you're like, ugh, I can't go back to this 835 <laughs> after well, using the 845. Let's call it science and progress. Um, mm -hmm. And then let's see what else. There's a couple of Sonys in there, the Compact um, and the... Uh, the other one, what was it? The X, what are the XC? Yeah, XC2 the XC2 Compact. The XC2 and the XC2 Compact, yeah. I don't know why they picked those. I don't think those are, I mean, the Compact one, I get it because we need more compact flagship phones. Mm -hmm. But the XC2 barely blipped on the flagship zeitgeist. <laughs> yeah, the XC3, yeah. The XC3 a little more, but uh, I don't know. Yeah, you know, like, I love Sony products. I mean, not from their mobile division because I don't, it's, you know, Sony is a very complicated company with many moving parts and many different divisions and their smartphone division, for whatever reason, has just not been able to put together like any kind of reasonable effort in the last little oh, while. I totally agree. <laughs> you know, so, yeah. but like, Otherwise, Sony makes some amazing products. Like, you know, everyone raves about their noise-canceling headphones. Everyone raves about their cameras. They have their quirks. They have their disadvantages. But on the whole, like, there's They're something really solid products. Having used both, I agree. Yeah, and like, you know, like, there's still something to be said about Sony uh, in, uh, industrial design, which I don't think is really on display with their smartphones, but certainly with their other products. Like, there's no product that really looks like a Sony product. And yep. I just wish for once the company could like go back to its roots of making really great products, really great design, and do that with their phones. You know, like they make all the sensors for literally every camera and smartphone on the market. And then they don't put like, I understand why, because, you know, camera sensor business. business, exactly. It's a component, you know, they're about component sales when it comes to their sensors. Um, but you would think the company that makes like, Forget Canon and Nikon, like the most innovative camera company in the world right now is Sony. Sony. Yeah. And you would think they would like parlay that expertise and that innovation into their smartphones to make something really compelling. Um, obviously, you know, they're part like they're probably at the cycle where they just need to exit the smartphone business, but they don't want to for a variety of reasons. Um, anyway, I've been rambling. All no, of that to say, it's fine. <laughs> yeah, I just wish, I just wish we could see something of that old Sony. Right? I think in we all are agree with that, and and that's kind of mm -hmm. why we're so frustrated with Sony Mobile. You know, not yeah. a single Sony phone with OIS. Yeah. Like, hello, you make all the sensors with OIS. Like, why are you not putting that in your phones? Mm -hmm. oh, well, you know, we have a camera business. I mean, they don't say it that way, but it's too clearly that's what it is. Ugh. Anyway. If I can just say, uh, share a funny anecdote. Sure. Um, when they were doing the hands-on events before Mobile World Congress in New York City for the uh, XE3, I had a Sony camera at the time. I've since switched to a Fuji. Uh -huh. um, 
and my Sony camera stopped working while I was taking photos of the uh, X-C3. And I made a stink about it in the uh, room and all the Sony people were like, please don't complain. Like, it's not even the same division. We can't help you. We'll figure it out after. (laughs) (laughs) But it was just, you know, like the ultimate irony that the Sony camera, the... uh, Maybe the AI detected that you were taking pictures of a Sony phone and it just like like, had a real self-referential crisis. It did, totally. (laughs) Well, listen, we're running out of time and I want to wrap things up. Can you tell the world where on the internets they can find you? Yeah, so you can find me. If you have any interest in the Canadian market, you can read mobilesyrup.com. That's like maple syrup, our delicacy or, Mm. you know, uh, but mobile. So it's quaint. It's very Canadian. Uh, And uh, so that's mobilesyrup.com. And then... You can find me on Twitter at Igor Bonifacic. That's B-O-N, or sorry, I-G-O-R, B-O-N-I-F-A-C-I-C. And I'm on Instagram uh, where there's nothing tech related. um, And it's all just, I hope, pretty photos. And that's at Kodachrome with the, uh, it's a K-O-D-O instead of K-O-D-A because obviously on Instagram, (laughs) at Kodachrome is taken. Yeah, good call there. Um, well, you guys, everyone knows you folks where to find me on the internets. At Tankerl is my Twitter and Instagram handle. That's T-N-K-G-R-L, like the comic book character Tankerl, but without the vowels, because I did this in the 90s before Flickr was even a thing. And uh, you can, of course, find the complement to this podcast, which is my YouTube channel, uh, youtube.com slash Miriam Joir. My full name spelled out M-Y-R-I-A-M-J-O-I-R-E. And don't forget, if you stumbled upon the podcast by accident or you're a big fan of Igor and ended up here somehow, good for you, by <laughs> the way, uh, you should subscribe to the podcast. Mobiletechpodcast.com is the URL. And you can find the RSS feed there. And I'm on all the platforms. Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Pocket Casts, Overcast, Stitcher, Slacker, TuneIn Radio. We're working on a few more platforms for you. But if you search for Mobile Tech Podcasts and... You should find us, and if you don't, then add Tankerl to that, T-N-K-G-R-L, and you'll be fine. I want to quickly take a second to thank our sponsor, Audible. Audible Audible.com is where it's at for audiobooks. So if you like to listen to books instead of reading them yourself, or for some reason you have to listen to them instead instead of reading them, Audible.com is where you should go and check it out. There is a link in the show notes called audibletrial.com slash mobile tech. That's audibletrial.com slash mobile tech. If you click through that link, you will support the podcast and it'll let you sign on to a free month of Audible that you can then extend if you'd like. So consider that, especially if you're a bit of a bookworm and you don't always have time to pick up the paper books and you want to be able to listen to them. Igor, it was a pleasure. Thanks for being on the show. Really great to have you, especially for this kind of like wrapping up 2018 show. I really appreciate it. No, thank you for having me. It was an absolute blast. Fantastic. Well, stay tuned. We'll have another show next week. And bye, everybody. Cheers. This has been the Mobile Tech Podcast with Tank Girl, proudly presented by worldpodcasts.com. You can visit us online at mobiletechpodcast.com.